What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another hour of the Andy Slater Show on this Wednesday, February 28th, the, well, second to last day of February, because we get a bonus day. It's a leap year, so tomorrow we get a leap day, and I've always wondered if you were born, let's say somebody is born tomorrow. They're not going to celebrate their birthday only once every four years. But do you celebrate it on February 28th? Or do you celebrate it on March 1st? I don't think I know anyone that was born on February 29th. But I've always been curious about that. For whatever reason, there really is none. It's just one of those things I'm curious about. Hey, at least my voice still works. I wasn't with you on Monday, I wasn't with you on Tuesday, and I still remember how to do this thing, turn everything on, the microphone, the headset, my laptop, my iPad, my phone, my notes in front of me. My notes normally are not written on paper. I usually just keep them on my screen, and I've got Twitter up. I'm still going to call it Twitter because it's just the, the right thing to do. I'm keeping track of everything going on, all the shootings in South Florida. Another one, like around 10.30 this morning, Northwest Miami-Dade. Police chases. That's a Lieutenant Camacho uh, topic. There's always something going on in South Florida. This morning, the police chase going into Miami International Airport. Maybe the dude was trying to catch the flight to Medellin because it leaves the first ones about 10.30 in the morning. That chase was pretty early. Maybe he was just following instructions to check in like three or four hours before the flight time. I don't know who listens to that, but I'm glad people do because then when I get there, things are very smooth because already everybody's gone through uh, security, at least here in Medellin where I am. That's where I'm doing the show from yet again today. And I'll be here for the rest of the week, and then I'll be back in South Florida on Monday morning, do the show Tuesday from the Hard Rock, Wednesday from South Florida, and then get back on an airplane because I just happen to love being on airplanes. And I promise I don't go on the plane just to eat the short rib, which is really phenomenal. Number one short rib, Kuro at the Hard Rock. Number two short rib, American Airlines. No joke really, really good. So I have a lot of stuff to get to. A lot of stuff I missed the past couple of days that I didn't expect to happen, uh, but did. So I want to get into those topics. Another thing that I didn't expect to happen, but it did. At two o'clock this morning, I am sound asleep in my comfortable bed all by myself. And All of a sudden, it was like the Harlem Shake. It woke me up. I knew immediately what it was, and it kind of scared me for a second because you get woken up by an earthquake. I've been through earthquakes. I've been through fairly strong earthquakes. But I've never been woken up by an earthquake. And it's 2 o'clock, just a few minutes after 2 o'clock this morning. 
I'm sound asleep and there was like a jolt. My bed jolted like that first strong jolt. It woke me up. The bed continued to shake. The room was shaking only about another seven or eight seconds. And then it was done and over with. And I've learned that during an earthquake, when you first start to feel an earthquake, you go into, you either go outside if it's possible, or you open the front door and you stand in like underneath the door frame. But this is two o'clock in the morning. I'm in bed. I know what's going on. I know what I should do. And I said to myself, truly, I said this to myself in my head. Eh, like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to lay here. It'll be over. We'll be fine. And that's probably a stupid thing to do because you never know what the magnitude is really going to be or how long this thing is going to last. But can you blame me? It's two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, all right, this is just going to end. I didn't think it was a dream or a nightmare. Like I, I knew my bed was shaking and the room was shaking. It wound up being a 4.7 magnitude earthquake, which you would say, well, it's not that bad. But the thing is, the epicenter of the earthquake was about seven miles from my bed. And the earthquake was not deep. It wasn't like 63 kilometers deep or something. It was only about five kilometers deep. So I know we're not used to this in South Florida, but I get it here in Colombia. When an earthquake is deep, you don't feel it as much. When it's not as deep, you feel it a lot stronger. And because it was so close and it wasn't deep, the 4.7 magnitude quake felt a lot stronger because I was so close to it and it was much closer to the surface than usual. So that was my morning. Finally got back to sleep, got another six or seven hours, something like that. Had a cup of coffee, got ready for the show. And here I am right now. So we do have an extra day of February. I don't know if that works for you, but you got to deal with it. I love March, so we got one more day this year until we get to March. We have tomorrow, and then finally, we have March. And the reason I love March, March is my favorite month of the year. Spring training is in full effect. The end of March, we've got the regular season in baseball starting. And then we've got the big dance, the NCAA tournament, the best thing in all of college sports. And now this year... If you're into wagering, you add the Hard Rock app into the mix. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. The NCAA tournament, live wagering, all this action going on in the afternoon. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of the first week. The parlays. It's going to be awesome. Really looking forward to that. So right now, I can bring up the heat. I can bring up the Panthers, I can bring up Inter-Miami, I can bring up the Marlins in Jupiter. There's a lot going on. Where will I start this hour? Well, let me give you a little hint. 
Sure, the Florida Panthers won again last night, another home victory. And right now, the Panthers, all they do is win. Yes, the Miami Heat played good ball out west, and I haven't spoken to you guys since they had their fight, which I will argue may have galvanized this season. That fight may have put the Miami Heat over the edge. They needed it, and they needed it badly. That's a discussion I could lead with. I could also lead with the Marlins naming their opening day starter and the starter's name not being Yuri Perez. But I'm not going to start with the Heat. I'm not going to start with the Panthers. And I'm not going to start with the Marlins. I am going to start with somebody who spoke yesterday to the media. Now you'll find out exactly what the discussion will be because this hour is now set to officially begin. It's time to shuffle up and deal. Mike McDaniel spoke at the Combine in Indianapolis. And Mike McDaniel gave all of us some information to chew on. Mike McDaniel continues to support Tua. That's why I want to start with this. It's a very important conversation. It's football news. And when there's football news and notes and nuggets, and they have to do with the Miami Dolphins, to me, it trumps anything else. Now, it's not uncommon for the head coach to speak to reporters at the NFL Combine. It happens with all of them, pretty much all of them, and every GM. They just go in front of the media. They talk about the state of the team. They're asked questions, and we talk about it. The biggest question asked of Mike McDaniel, it was about Tua, of course. And what Mike McDaniel said, I think, is the right way to look at things. Mike McDaniel said that he and Chris Greer have a good relationship. He said they communicate well, but Chris Greer has his job and Mike McDaniel has his own. Meaning, when it comes to contracts, when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to figuring out long-term deals, and specifically in this case, a possible long-term deal for Tua. Mike McDaniel said that's a Chris Greer thing. But at the same time, Mike McDaniel made it clear from his perspective that he loves the Miami Dolphins quarterback. He loves Tua. He believes in him. In fact, he said he believes in Tua more now after seeing him work for a couple of seasons than when he first met him. So the job of the head coach is to map out a plan. What can you do during the offseason to get better than you currently are, to continue to grow? That's coach stuff. That's for Mike McDaniel. As for the negotiation part, he said he 
hears it's going well. There's no timetable for this thing. It'll happen when it happens, but that's with Tua's reps, and that's with Chris Greer. According to Mike McDaniel, it doesn't have anything to do with him. Here's the reality. Tua Tungabailoa is signed for a fifth-year option. In an ideal world, if you are someone who wants Tua to be the Dolphins quarterback, and I am sure we have many of those people in this audience right now who say, yeah, that's me. I believe in Tua, just like Mike McDaniel does. I want Tua to be the Dolphins franchise quarterback moving forward. Give that guy his money, or shall I say, pay that man his money. That's not really me saying it, but. If you're one of those people that wants Tua to get his bag and you want Tua to be the Dolphins quarterback moving forward, you would want Chris Greer and Tua to come to an agreement pretty soon or at least sometime this offseason before the season starts so that he's not playing this year as a lame duck. If you believe in Tua, you want him to go into this coming season and ball out. You don't want him to think about anything. You just want him to get his money and go out there and ball out. But here's the thing. Right now, Tua is still under contract. This isn't a walk situation. Not yet. So where it stands right now, Tua can absolutely go into next season still under contract without a long-term deal. And will it be in his head, oh my gosh, you know, I've got to produce? Will it be too much for him to handle? Or will Tua say, you know what? I know what's at stake here, but I don't care. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play my game. I'm going to show you guys what I've got, and then I'm going to get paid. Will it come to that? I don't know if it'll come to that. I do not know what the Miami Dolphins will wind up doing. I've given my opinion, and I'm not saying my opinion is always correct because it's not. It's just my opinion. We all have opinions. Sometimes we have strong opinions. Sometimes we just have an opinion. My opinion is they should not pay Tua a ton of money this offseason. They shouldn't give him 50 or $60 million a year for five consecutive years. I don't think they should. I think they have other issues to address with a lot of dollars, and Tua needs to prove it next season. He's already under contract. That's my opinion. On the level of strength, the earthquake that I went through that woke me up this morning was a 4.7. I'd say the magnitude of my opinion on this is about the same, 4.7. It was just an easy out for me. It's not a 6.0, but it's not a 3.5. It's a 4.7, pretty close to the surface, and you're almost at the epicenter. That's how I felt this morning at 2 o'clock in my bed, and that's how I feel right now in the middle of the afternoon when it comes to my opinion on the Dolphins paying Tua. They don't have to right now. And if they do, 
I think it would be a mistake. Not to say that he cannot be a great quarterback and lead the Dolphins to the promised land. Maybe he will get better this season. Maybe he will be a reason why they win a game and a playoff game. But you got to show me. Show me. Like when I'm playing poker, if I don't believe the other person, I'm, I'm going to put my chips in the pot. They might go all in. I'm going to call. You got to show me. Now, 85 to 90% of the time, I'm going to be right, at least with poker. As far as my Tua opinion, I wouldn't say 85 or 90%. I'm going to be right, but I, I'd say more than 50. I'd put it around 65-ish, something in that range. So that'll continue to be a big topic until it's not. And then the other thing Mike McDaniel addressed yesterday, I was very interested in hearing this. He gave his account of the departure of Vic Fangio. And I feel like that's an important storyline for the Miami Dolphins because Vic Fangio was the guy. He was supposed to be the guru for the defense. We were all talking about you pair Mike McDaniel and his innovative offense with Vic Fangio and his defense. This is going to be a fantastic formula. That's what we all believed. Instead, Vic Fangio... One year with the Miami Dolphins, and then he's gone. So we wondered what happened. Was there bad blood? Did they have issues all season? The players, it seemed, after the fact, we could tell like they had beef with Vic Fangio. Jalen Ramsey posted when the Dolphins were in the process or talking about or the report came out of letting Xavier Howard go, Jalen Ramsey basically said that Vic Fangio never used Ramsey and X correctly, that he never used him in the right way. As far as what Mike McDaniel claims, he said they went through the season, they had the intention of moving forward together, after the season, they sat down, they had a conversation, and the main part of everything was Vic Fangio wanted to move on. Fangio wanted to move on, so then the Dolphins wanted to move on, and allegedly it was a mutually agreed decision to just let Vic go his way, the Dolphins will go another way, and that's all. Was this whole Vic Fangio hiring a mistake? I can't say yes and I can't say no. It's very challenging to give an answer to that because how could you possibly evaluate Fangio, particularly at the end of the season, when he was missing so many guys on defense? Bradley Chubb wound up being out for the year. Jalen Phillips out for the year. Andrew Van Ginkle got hurt. I mean, the injuries went on and on. How can you tell how good a defense is when the team was bringing guys off the street to take on Patrick Mahomes and the eventual Super Bowl champions? If we had a mulligan this season, if the Dolphins were fully healthy, you head into the playoffs on defense completely healthy, what type of effort might they have gotten from that defensive unit? It's one of the what ifs. 
the year before it was what would have happened if Tua was healthy for the Bills game in the playoffs. Well, this year it's what would have happened if the entire defense hadn't got hurt the last few weeks of the season. There's no scheme for random guys off the street. It's just too much to overcome. One really good thing to hear, though, yesterday from Mike McDaniel was that he said he doesn't plan to just run it back in terms of scheme. McDaniel said he's never run it back with his offenses. Every year he focuses on new things, new ways of running the offense because you cannot hand the defense those opportunities where the offense becomes predictable. So Mike McDaniel said he is looking to change things up a bit, which should be good. You know the Dolphins' offense almost certainly will still be powerful, speedy, and now with some new schemes, whatever Mike McDaniel will institute. I'm still very curious as to the play calling and the short yardage situations, but it's still February. Tomorrow is still February. Friday, we finally get to March. We got a lot of time to get to that. I don't want to get people too worried. They already might be worried about next season and the future of this Dolphins team. I don't want to start that here in late February. I am glad, though, that the Miami Heat are starting to play good basketball, and that's the discussion that I want to get into in just a moment. What you should want to get into is my poker tournament this coming Tuesday night. It's less than a week away. The Slater Scoops Poker Tournament at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. There will be a minimum of $20,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. So they'll have at least 20 grand in there. Normally it gets up to about 25 or 30. But the lowest it'll be is $20,000. Anybody who makes the final table at my poker tournament next Tuesday night, they're going to get a free ticket to enter a tournament which could get you a seat into a $500,000 guaranteed tournament coming up at the Hard Rock. Plus, if you knock me out, if you eliminate me from the tournament on Tuesday night, Not only will you get all my chips, but I'm going to give you two seats on the glass to a Florida Panthers game, courtesy of the Workers' Comp Legal Center. There's a lot of money at stake. There's Florida Panthers tickets at stake on the glass. There's satellite tickets at stake for a huge $500,000 guaranteed tournament. Put a reminder in your phone right now or put it in your head. Tuesday night, March 5th. It's less than a week away. Cards will be in the air at 6 p.m. That's when the tournament starts. You have until 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday to register. Don't miss it. It's the Slater Scoops Poker Tournament. It happens every single month, and it's happening Tuesday night, March 5th, at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. Another thing I was doing the past couple of days, making wagers not only on the app, but I was making wagers at Gulfstream Park, the championship meet. That's the best of the best at Gulfstream Park in Hollandale Beach. You don't even have to wager a lot of money. You could wager 10 or 20 cents and possibly make thousands of dollars. I see it happen all of the time. 
But during the championship meet, you're going to have the best races because you got the best horses in the world. You got the best jockeys in the world. You got the best of everything in the world at Gulfstream Park. It's in our own backyard. If you haven't been out there, my suggestion would be to go on a live race day. And during the championship meet, that is any Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So you can even go out there tomorrow, have a fantastic meal, go to their trackside restaurant, 10 Palms, go to the Carousel Club and hang out outside if the weather is nice. Enjoy yourself. Live racing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday during the championship meet going on right now at Gulfstream Park. What's going to go on when the Miami Heat take on the Denver Nuggets, a rematch of the NBA Finals? We'll all find out together, won't we? And then I'll come on here and talk about it. But I know what's going on with this Heat team overall right now. I haven't been here on the airwaves since they had their fight against the Pelicans. I may point to that moment as being the moment of the regular season. The Miami Heat needed that moment desperately. To me, it was a call to arms. It was a call to action. Everything that happened there was about Heat culture, and it was so necessary. Let me take you back a little bit because this is something I discussed here on the program. I want to go back to the Celtics game at the Kaseya Center. That was on Super Bowl Sunday. Jalen Brown took Duncan Robinson. They were near the corner. Brown got Duncan in an arm bar, flung him right to the ground, and not one Miami Heat player did anything. They helped Duncan up. The officials met. They assessed the technical foul. And then Duncan himself got into Jalen's face and talked some stuff. But nobody did anything. And after I saw that, I came here on the airwaves and said I was worried. I was worried that Miami Heat culture was non-existent. Why is Bam dapping up Jalen after the game when he threw one of Bam's teammates to the ground? That's not acceptable. You can always tell how close the team is when there's moments of tension. If a player ends up on the floor, let's say he's driving to the basket and he's fouled. If a team is close and they're engaged, you're going to see three or four guys run over to help them up. If a team is disconnected or they're disinterested, the guy's going to get up on his own. Maybe one guy will go over there. This is why that fight against the Pelicans, to me, was so important. Jimmy got in a player's face. They had grabbed Jimmy's throat. Jaime Hawkes Jr. jumped in. Highsmith was right there. It got near the bench. Jovic got involved. Thomas Bryant got involved. Bam was ready. That is what the Miami Heat are about. It's not the violence. It's not the fighting. It's the intensity. It's caring. It's the giving a dang. 
It's having your teammates back. All of that. That was a Miami Heat culture moment. And it's important that it happened without Udonis Haslam being there. The Miami Heat's toughness cannot always be looked at as, where's UD? Well, UD's not there anymore. UD would always take care of business. UD would figure everything out. And that's really what we all kind of thought when Duncan got thrown to the floor by Jalen Brown on Super Bowl Sunday. That would have never happened. The response which was a lack of a response. It would have never been the same if UD was on that bench. But UD's not there anymore. Now the Miami Heat players need to figure it out without Udonis Haslam. That fight was so necessary. Everyone on that roster, from what I see now, they care. Everyone on that roster will mix it up. That's what we need to see. Eric Spolster always talks about competition, being a competitor. All of that starts at moments of conflict. That fight was the first time all season where I said, okay, you know what? This is the Miami Heat. This is how the Miami Heat turn it on. When the playoffs begin, that spark and that scrapping, we're going to see it, and it matters so much. Because every playoff series, you have that level of intensity. Miami's going to need that level of intensity. I'm not saying they need to get into fights come playoff time, but you've got to have that intensity. You've got to care. You've got to be so interested. You've got to be there for your teammates. You've got to be together. Now, on top of the intensity and the heat culture, the heat, we've seen they've made roster additions. And those roster additions absolutely will help them out come playoff time. Terry Rozier, we've seen and we've talked about. That injury he had was scary, but he was back last night. He's got to step into Kyle Lowry's role, push tempo, handle the ball, and drive the offense. Then you've got DeLon Wright. Saw him play for the first time in Sacramento. It's like he was born in the Heat Factory. He was a kid when his brother Darrell Wright won an NBA title with the Heat. DeLon seems to have so many skills that can help this team, and his main one is defense. He's a defense-first guard. The Miami Heat have problems guarding the perimeter. He can do that, and he does it very well. And on top of it, he can handle the ball. He's a willing passer. He's a great distributor. I think DeLon Wright's going to be a really good fit with this Heat team, and just remember, these moves, they could be looked at as little moves, they sometimes make a huge difference. Like when the Heat added Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder, sometimes it's the late additions to the team that can help lead them in the right direction. And if you're having a problem being led in the right direction with your money, contact Trajan Wealth. I know a lot of us are betting nowadays because of the app. You want to bet on games, that's one thing. But you should not bet on your retirement. Trajan Wealth will design a plan 
based around your goals. Trajan Wealth is located locally in Palm Beach. You can visit them at trajanwealth.com. That's trajanwealth.com. Or give Trajan Wealth a call. 561-390-1000. That's 561-390-1000. Betting on a game is one thing. Betting on your future and your retirement, that is something that you don't want to do. What you do want to do is contact Trajan Wealth right away because not only will they design a plan for you, but it will cost you nothing to set up a meeting with Trajan Wealth. Advisory services are offered through Trajan Wealth LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and this is a paid advertisement. We're about one month away from Miami Marlins opening day. Miami Marlins! And Jesus Lazardo is going to be the opening day starter. Skip Schumacher named Lazardo the opening day starter. And that's great for him. Seems like a great person, local guy, dream come true. I'm sure his family is very excited. To me, it's an interesting choice. If there was a wager on who was going to be the Marlins opening day starter, I probably would have thrown some money on Yuri Perez. Only because he was the best Marlins pitcher last season. Jesus was 10-10 and 10 with about a 3.5 ERA, which nowadays is not bad. But is Jesus Lazardo an ace? Is he the number one guy in your rotation? He's the best guy that you have as a starting pitcher. He's solid. He's improved. But is he the Miami Marlins ace this season? If Sandy Alcantara didn't undergo Tommy John surgery, we know without question he would have been the opening day starter. He's a dominant ace. But he did come off Tommy John surgery. So they've got to adjust. They've got to adapt. And moving around the rotation, that's step one. This is a great opportunity for Jesus Lazardo. To me, he's improved every single month that he's been in Miami. He came over and I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Why did they trade for this guy? People said, give him time. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to give him time. But now with time, he's turned out to be pretty good. He works really well with Mel Stoudemire Jr. So maybe he's stepping up into a main role. Maybe this opening day start will give him that extra jolt of energy, this incentive to be great. But I've got concerns. And the reason I've got concerns is because, A, Jesus Lazardo is going to be your opening day starter. And I'm just talking about for this season. Two, or shall I say B, since I said A, are the Marlins really thinking about moving A.J. Puck into the rotation? That's what it seems like. To me, that seems like a big stretch. AJ was a bit shaky coming out of the pen. And I'm thinking to myself, is the Marlins rotation that thin? Before the start of camp, my biggest concern was the offense. Where's the run production going to come from? Where's the thump in that lineup going to be? How are they going to replace Jorge Soler and everything that he brings or brought to that Marlins offense? Gampy brings now because he's going to bring it to 
the San Francisco Giants. At least we'll see if he brings it. But he brought it to the Marlins. That was my biggest concern. Yes, Jake Berger and Josh Bell will be there for a full season now instead of just after the trade deadline. That will help. But now when I start to hear about the Marlins pitching ideas, I start to wonder, are they thin at starting pitcher? Lazardo the ace, A.J. Puck a starter? What are we doing here in year two? If the Marlins are down to converting bullpen guys to be starters, maybe during the offseason Peter Bendick should have got on the phone and brought in some arm talent? Has Bendix talked to Skip and said, hey, what are your plans with the rotation? And if Skip said, hey, Lazardo is going to be the ace and Puck may come out of the bullpen to start, did Peter Bendix respond with, um, Skip, do you need me to go shopping for an arm or two? I don't know what those conversations were like, but that's a little worrisome to me. And some people want to put a spin on the Marlins offseason and say, hey, well, they, they, got, they got Tim Anderson. They got whatever's left of Tim Anderson. Keeping Bellenberger, great. Having them for a full season, hopefully great. But you can't undersell losing Jorge Soler and undersell losing Sandy for the season. The Marlins lost a bona fide home run hitter. They didn't bring one back. They lost a Cy Young winner. And they didn't sign anyone but Tim Anderson. So are they going to be better? Are they going to be World Series contenders? I don't know how that can be a serious conversation. Now, I want to have a serious conversation with you about the bagel loan and Stewie. If you're buying a home, if you need a mortgage, if you're refinancing, you want the bagel loan. You want to call Stewie, and I'm going to tell you how to call Stewie in just a second. You might be thinking the bagel loan. What the heck is a bagel loan? I know what a bagel is. I love an everything bagel. It tastes so good. The taste left in your mouth after dealing with Stewie and the bagel loan is going to be better than the everything bagel. It's called a bagel loan because the middle of that bagel is a zero. You see nothing in the middle. And that is exactly what you'll pay Stewie. Zero. Nothing. No lender fees. No appraisal fees. It is the bagel loan. Stewie has got it for you. And what I've got is Stewie's personal cell phone number. Call him if you're buying a home, need a mortgage, or refinancing. You want the bagel loan. Call Stewie's personal cell, 561-379-4441. That's 561-379-4441. Call Stewie on his personal cell. Tell him you want more info. You want the bagel loan. MLS number 226715. Here on this Wednesday, Lieutenant Camacho from the Florida Highway Patrol with us on the Andy Slater Show. Lieutenant, I saw on the news this morning there was a chase that went into Miami International Airport. I didn't see any FHP troopers. I only saw Miami-Dade. Is that maybe why I didn't see a pit maneuver before they got into the airport? <laughs> you know, I saw it real quick uh, on, on uh, Twitter, on X earlier, and I didn't see any troopers either. I didn't get any emails or, or briefing reports, so I'm almost certain we weren't involved. And if it was a uh, cross-county chase like the headline read uh then i'm almost sure we weren't involved but uh luckily for them uh, 
they did end it in the airport area with an arrest, no further incident. But uh, that's that's definitely why you didn't see a pit maneuver. I, I'm not sure if these other agencies were well, actually I know that for many of the agencies in South Florida, they cannot they're not allowed by policy to execute that pit maneuver. I'm surprised you guys weren't involved. You're involved in everything. Spring break, um, <laughs> protecting the border, uh, chases. Right. I mean, you guys are doing a lot. And uh, on a good note. Uh, there was an Amber Alert that went out Sunday. I was actually at the airport. There was no chase, um, but I got an Amber Alert, and you guys were able to actually stop the vehicle and uh, recover the kid? Yes, yeah, there was an Amber Alert issued. Uh, I want to say uh, during the weekend at some point of a abducted child or a missing, yeah, abducted seven-year-old child out of uh, the Riviera Beach area. Uh, the troopers in the Wildwood area, so right off of I-75, kind of a little bit further north, uh, they got a, a be on the lookout with the um, information of the possible person that that child was with, the type of vehicle that person was traveling in, uh, the approximate location. And sure enough, the troopers, man, they did a fantastic job up there. They positioned themselves in, a, in that location. They were able to identify the vehicle. Uh, conduct a traffic stop. You know, they saw, they saw that it was the matching description of the vehicle. Uh, and and sure enough, they uh, confirmed the suspect's identity. Luckily, the child was unharmed. We were able to recover the child, return the child to his mother. And that suspect was uh, arrested. He did have an out-of-county uh, warrant also. Um, but he was arrested with, you know, several charges. But uh, definitely a positive story. Anything involving children is always kind of really... Uh, really sensitive for me so i'm glad these guys were able to do their thing up there in uh, northern florida lieutenant when you guys get bolos be on the lookout messages are you in your car like and that's all you're looking for now because i mean there's other things to do so how does that work well it all depends right andy they get prioritized right there's a lot we get a lot of information a lot of intelligence and a lot of be on the lookouts that come across if something is is current right like real time current It'll come through the airwave where everybody, all mutual aid, all agencies will hear it. You'll hear like an emergency tone and it'll say something like, you know, be on the lookout. This vehicle was just involved in a, uh, you know, just for example, just uh, robbed the bank and is traveling in a red uh, Corvette on this area. So that's kind of a high priority uh, a bolo. There's some bolos, uh, for example, this one. Uh, also still real time. They gave a description, an approximate location, a child was abducted. That's very sensitive. That's high priority. There's some other ones that say, oh, this person uh, is traveling, uh, might be driving impaired, you know, be on the lookout for this type of vehicle. So there's different, I would say, tiers of of priority when you get a bolo. But yeah, definitely look into them. Lieutenant Camacho with the Florida Highway Patrol. We don't have a lot of time today, but when we chat next week, we'll go over, I thought this was already a law. You can't drive in the left lane unless you're passing cars, but Now there's a new law, and we'll get to that next week and go off on everyone who drives slow in the left lane. Stay safe out there, Lieutenant. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy. All right, take care. That left lane law, really, there's like five different laws. I don't understand. Just don't drive in the left lane if you're going slow. All right, that's all the time I got for this Wednesday afternoon. We'll do it again tomorrow. For now, I'm Andy Slater, and I'll see you later.